Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we kick off. We are going back to the Sugar Club on Thursday the 28th of September with a brilliant lineup of special guests and you. Come along, grab the tickets, eventbrite.ie. The link is at the bottom of this podcast. I also continue to need to ask you to help keep this podcast platform going. It's patreon.com forward slash tortoise It is the easiest bit of activism you can do on a monthly basis. That price of a fancy cup of coffee to you keeps the mics on and the conversations like the one you're about to listen to keep happening. And I say it all the time, it's not a one-way street. You get access to our entire back catalogue now of nearly 1,300-odd podcasts. And you get them as quickly as I can turn them around completely plea-free. And that includes podcast this week with Professor Richard Murphy joined us from the UK to talk about how to implement wealth taxes that will actually work and not cause capital flight. Another great podcast with Richard. Always enjoy chatting to him. So if you want to hear that now, it's available right now on patreon.com forward slash tortoise Please, please, please click the link and join us. Let's keep this show on the road. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing, liking and recommending this to everyone else. We really appreciate it. I'm shutting up now. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Reboot Republic, the podcast that goes behind the headlines and looks at the big issues in this republic of inequality. We are the podcast of solutions and the podcast of hope. And I'm your host, Rory Hearn, and delighted to be joined today on the podcast by Gráinne Lochran, who is the Senior Policy and Advocacy Officer with ALONE the organization that works with older people in Ireland. And I'm really looking forward to this podcast because I've talked a lot and um, written a lot and campaigned a lot around the whole issue of, and talked a lot on this podcast about generation locked out, generation rent, uh, younger, and as I refer to increasingly middle-aged people who are uh, absolutely devastated by the, by the housing crisis. But we have also talked to people on this podcast as well and have covered people in their 50s uh, and 60s who were made homeless. Um, And so Gráinne got on to me and said, we do need to talk about older people and how they're getting affected by the housing crisis. And it came out quite stark in the census there when we saw an 83% increase in the number of people over 65 who are renting privately. Um, And of course, we know that is a, a, a terrible situation to be when your income is falling and you're facing uh, in an insecure living and insecure accommodation. Gráinne, it's brilliant to have you on Reboot Republic. I'm looking forward to this. Thanks so much for having me, Rory. Really appreciate it. So, in terms of older people and the housing crisis, what what is going on and what are alone hearing? Because obviously people contact you directly in terms of looking for support. Of course. So, I think the first thing to say is that... um, we all like to think when we're younger that we'll work, we'll retire, um, we'll own a home, uh, we'll have a pension. Um, and we hope for that for ourselves as we get older. Um, but that's not the way it works out for everybody. And the patterns of our lives uh, can be a lot more complex than that. Mm-hmm. So with alone, we work with older people who are they might be experiencing poverty, they might be experiencing homelessness. Um, we work with people experience a range of issues, anything from loneliness to uh, transport difficulties to health difficulties, the full range of challenges that somebody might face in older age. And what we're seeing a lot about, I suppose, what we've seen throughout, um, throughout working in Ireland and 
alone was founded in 1977, but uh, since then, the population of over 65s has actually more than doubled. So what we're seeing is a huge increase in demand for our services. And over the last couple of years in particular, um, a huge increase in demand for services relating to housing and housing difficulties that older people are experiencing. Um, so as you say, we talk a lot about um, generational inequality and difficulties that are being experienced across the board by people um, in accessing housing. Um, some of those difficulties are not to the same extent as other age groups, but there are also older people who are experiencing really severe challenges um, with their housing situation. And like you say, there's been a significant increase in the number of older renters mm. um, since the last census too. And and in terms of that, you know, people contact, because we were talking um, last week there, and you said that there had been a significant increase in the number of older people who had contacted you in terms of housing issues. Could maybe you could explain like some of the, like kind of what was that and, and what are some of the issues they're contacting you with? Of course. So in the first six months of this year, um, about one in five of the interventions we completed were relating to housing. So that could be from somebody who uh, needs support adapting their home and accessing housing adaptation grants. Um, if, for example, their mobility has changed or um, the need to install grab rails or accessible bathroom, etc. Um, it might be older people who have received a notice to quit. Um, we have one person who received a notice to quit recently. They've been in the same place for 16 years. Um, they are in their late 70s um, and they're now kind of faced with trying to compete in the private rental sector, which we know is difficult at all ages. Yeah, yeah. Um, but particularly maybe when you don't have access to daft or, um, you know, online supports and yeah, a lot of yeah. older people don't use Internet. Um, we also see people who are experiencing homelessness, people in emergency accommodation, um, people who are living in the back of vans, um, people who are living in mobile homes because they've gotten notices to quit, and people living in um, unsafe and insecure housing conditions as well. Um, one thing we say is that um, home ownership as well isn't a guarantee of safety and security in your home in older age. Um, we work with older people who don't have indoor toilets, who don't have indoor plumbing, um, people who have been stranded on maybe the second floor of their home or like in an upper floor of an apartment and stranded for months for want of a stairlift um, yeah. to be able to get in and out of the house. So there's issues like that and it it can be quite complex because um, older people have higher rates of health difficulties, uh, higher rates of disability. Um, and also, as you said, um, generally lower incomes as well because they've retired. Uh, many are dependent on the state pension. Um, so housing for older people um, is quite complex. There's a range of factors that kind of intersect um, when you're supporting older people with housing. Yeah, no, there is. Just, you know, back to those census, the figures that came out in the census, um, you know, I was looking at them 
You know, in terms of over 60, there is probably just under now 30,000 uh, older people who are 60 plus um, renting privately, which is doubling um, since the 2016 census. And, you know, when you mentioned there in terms of getting a notice to quit when you're renting, you know, at that age, there are, of course, going to be age discrimination from landlords to a certain extent um, is likely as well. Um, and but even as you say, you know, just the the difficulty of having to, you know, the stress of that. And I was thinking as well, even, you know, the possibility of going into hidden homelessness, you know, you mentioned some of those, um, you know, living situations in homelessness itself. And we know housing insecurity has major health impacts on people in terms of stress um, you know, living in chronic stress. And, you know, health is obviously a big issue as we get older as well. So that obviously must be a factor as well that you're seeing in terms of like, how does an older person feel when they get a notice to quit? And if they're in their late 60s or early 70s, it must be extremely stressful. Absolutely. Um, and we released a report earlier this summer with Threshold um, called the double deficit and that was looking at the experiences of um, older people in the private rental sector and I suppose among the findings of that were that um, older people's difficulties in the private rental sector are really heightened by the fact that they also tend to experiences, experience those health challenges yeah. um, and I suppose part of the strength of that research was that it looked at people's individual experiences and I suppose some of the the personal stories within it were really um I suppose harrowing really um you know some of the the quotes were around things like um housing is at the root of all my concerns over and above my illness and that was from somebody who is recovering from cancer. Um, we've there's stories from people who um are talking about, you know, turning up at housing viewings who um have a walking stick or a wheelchair and kind of being like, well, who'll want to take us? Who'll want yeah. to take me? Yeah. Um, particularly when there's such a high level of competition in the private rental sector now. Yeah. Um, and you know. Landlords um, will generally um, prefer to have, you know, a, a young couple in high paying jobs yeah. kind of a yeah. thing, as opposed to somebody who's coming in on the state pension, generally HAP, um, and with a disability or a health difficulty on top of that. Landlords simply like they won't want the additional uh, the additional work that might be required in supporting an older tenant who might need a housing adaptation grant or might need some kind of other support. Um, so some of the stories, um, and I suppose a lot of them really highlight that um, being in private rental accommodation in older age wasn't a choice um, mm -hmm. made by many of them. It's not where they want to be. Yeah. Um, they would prefer to be somewhere um like whether it's social housing or owned housing. Um, but 
many don't see that there's any other option for them now um that they're still be staying in the private rental sector for the rest of their lives um and that's really difficult um it's really difficult i think to come to that conclusion when you're in your 60s 70s 80s and to be living in the insecurity of maybe you don't know when you're going to get a notice to quit or um trying to keep the landlord on your side as you're maybe looking to get a mobility rail installed or you're struggling to pay the rent that month and um, and it's something that we're seeing happening more and more often yeah yeah it's it's actually interesting um they i for my book gaffs i was doing the research on that in terms of that issue of choice and the i i broke down and i th- i can't remember where the source was from threshold or from uh rtb data that i did at the time but um i looked at it and the in terms of people who are renting by choice it, it does radically reduce it by age and in your mid 30s there was it's it's funny because you know they talk about you know, renting as a choice and, you know, is this kind of lifestyle choice thing? They, well, they did up until recently anyway, government mm. policymakers, you know, it was all about... A bit different now, but yeah. <laughs> yeah but, but, what, but up to only maybe two or three years ago, all the narrative, all the way from 2011 onwards, it was like, oh, young people now, they just want to rent by, you know, it's a lifestyle choice thing. And mm. I don't know if you remember Owen Murphy, you know, with the whole thing about co-living was... Yeah. You know, Creating these boutique hotel, uh, boutique, boutique, boutique. <laughs> I don't know, boutique. Let's go with boutique. Boutique, uh, boutique, oh, boutique. boutique hotels. Uh, that's my Waterford background. We didn't have the word boutique when I was growing up. Um, they that this was the idea that you know it was just all this you know people just yeah they just want to rent they don't want like you know the the hassle of home ownership and of course completely divorced from the reality of uh, the insecurity in the Irish private rental sector. But the figures um, were by their mid thirties, only a third of renters are renting by choice, and then that drops mm-hmm. down by your mid forties, just twenty percent. Um, are renting by choice but when you get to your mid 50s not one person who was surveyed who was renting privately was renting by choice mm. 60% were renting because they couldn't get a home and 40% because they weren't able to access social housing so it completely backs up you know what you're saying there in terms of that it's not a choice and, and that has to be very difficult in terms of self-esteem in terms of how you feel about yourself that like I'm in this terrible housing situation and I didn't I didn't choose this. I think that's something that a lot of older people in the private rental sector feel and experience and um it's I suppose it's uh kind of a sense of finality as well and that like I didn't choose this, but now there's probably nothing I can do about it. Um, they, we know that, you know, um, once you're older, it's a whole lot more difficult to obviously get a mortgage or to move into owned accommodation. Um, we also know that 
there's long waiting lists for social housing um, for older people as well. Um, there's more than, as of this year, there's now more than 2,000 people over 70 who are on the waiting list for social housing, um, which is quite staggering. Um, when you think of the situations that those people who are over 70 are likely in. Um, yeah, yeah. So the, I suppose the issue... The the issue around choice it's 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 not just feeling now that you have no options, but also feel like also feel like you're not you're you'll like probably never have any more options. It's unlikely that uh, another situation or a better situation will open up for you, um, and that's I suppose even more concerning when you see. Um, looking at the census figures there's been increases in the numbers of renters for every age group over 40 since yeah. the last census um so at like a about a 37 percent increase in renters aged between 40 and 64 yeah um so while now we're seeing um there's an around 17,000 people over 65 in the private rental sector um we'll be seeing that number potentially double um in the years to come because those people who are in their 40s and 50s um and early 60s unless they are able to access social housing they're staying in the private rental sector yeah. um so the numbers of older people in our in the private rental sector they yes they've increased by 83% since the last census but they're going to be continuing to going to go up um beyond this absolutely yeah no you're absolutely right that that's that cohort coming in you know who will be in the coming years going into their you know 50s going into their 60s who are you know again i just looking at it i have it here in front of me the in terms of you know even just in terms of their 40s um mm. you're now talking in the region of over 75,000 uh, people renting privately in comparison to maybe in the region of, you know, less than, um, it was probably just, it's a significant increase anyway, since 2016. Um, you can see it and similarly for that 50 to 54 year olds, you're right in terms of there is more. And that, of course, comes to then the question of, you know, what is, what should be done? And it's very clear that, you know, <laughs> public housing is needed um, and, you know, and the purchasing of, of private rental properties, you know, that that's, mm. it has to be a big one for, you know, again, you need to go back and hap and see, look, you know, what age, you know, what age profile of people who are in hap, people who are, who are in receipt of hap, you know, who are over 50 or, you know, they're unlikely to be ever able to, you know, be able to buy their own home or they're not going to be able to rent privately that, you know, they need social housing and, but of course, they're not counted on the social housing waiting exactly. list as well, which is part of the issue. Yeah, and we know that um, older people are more likely to be in receipt of HAP. Um, we know that also older renters, um, about half of older renters uh, pay more than 35% of their disposable income on rent. Um, so they have higher housing costs as as proportion, as a half proportion of, of their Half income. of all older renters and what would that be like 60 plus or and um, that's 65 plus that's a csl plus. figure all the 60 year old listeners and i'll be killing me 
<laughs> I, so, I know we work with and alone we work with people over 60 uh, but so many okay. of the statistics are uh you know divided by 65 plus which is another big issue um in that not everybody over 65 is the same um yeah but yeah, yeah it's yeah. another <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah. bugbear of mine too yeah, people are probably people in their 80s giving out to you for calling them old Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and rightfully so. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. down to the person. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, the, but the, the, you were saying there that in terms of over 65 renters are paying over 35, half of them are paying over 35% of their income on rent. Yeah. 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 Um, so that's higher than other age groups, slightly higher than, than other age groups in terms mm. of percentages of their income. Um, but, like you say, it means that there's a significant number of older people who are in receipt of HAP, who are in need of social housing, who aren't counted on that social housing waiting list because their yeah. need is judged as being met. Yeah. Um, and when that's absolutely not the case. And yeah. one thing um that I suppose needs to be noted as well is that um retirement is maybe the one drop in income that we can plan for. Um, yeah. So people will have uh, reductions in their income unexpectedly throughout their lives. It might be illness, might be caring, might be becoming a parent, there a whole load of different things. Um, and generally, in a lot of cases, can't plan for them. And um, But retirement is one thing that we know there's we know our income is going to drop um we know it's we're probably going to retire from 66 and beyond um but there isn't i suppose we don't often think about um our housing costs and what happens to our housing costs when we re when we retire and like how yeah. do you pay the rent when you retire um the census figures again like they show that um 17% of people aged 65 plus actually do have housing costs, which is something that I think a lot of us don't consider when we're thinking about older age. We sort of, mm. there's, um, there's the stereotypical view of, um, older people, all homeowners, housing needs met, um, they have no housing costs. But a lot of people who are, older uh, might be in social housing and uh, will have a differential rent they might be in the private rental sector they might be continuing to pay off a mortgage etc so there's still a, a significant and i would say increasing percentage of older people who have housing costs in their retirement and, and just in terms of that uh, the lifting of the eviction ban in that context must have been quite worrying and is quite worrying and affecting older people Absolutely. Um, so we had uh, we've had a couple of older people who have been evicted since the eviction ban, who were actually um, evicted during um, the eviction ban illegally and um, unrightfully, where I suppose the again. A notice to quit terrifying at any age um, yeah. at the moment, maybe particularly so um, if you're in your 70s, 80s. Um, and 
the the increase is I suppose I suppose the numbers are smaller I would say in comparison to the rest of the population because we know that um, there's fewer older renters than there are of other age groups mm, mm. but the numbers are going up um, yeah. this isn't something that um, this isn't something that we're seeing a, a solution to um, in coming down the line in the next year or five years or um, there hasn't been some substantial planning um, for what we're going to do about an aging population in the private rental sector. Um, yeah, yeah. So from our perspective, we're seeing the numbers increase now, but we're also at the beginning of a curve um, where if nothing is done, we will see a huge increase in the number of older people in the private rental sector. Um, significant increase as well, we would expect, in the number of older people in emergency accommodation and experiencing homelessness and also those kind of hidden homelessness who might be who we don't even fully capture now but um people living on people's sofas or in the back of vans and cars um so we're starting to see the turn um ourselves and alone um and we don't expect that um, unless there's really significant action taken, that there will be significant change. Um, the numbers are just going to keep coming going up in the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very worrying. Um, and I, I know there's there's a lot more we could talk about um, in terms of, you know, it, you mentioned earlier the issues of, you know, substandard accommodation, for example, and um you know older people living in in poor conditions and and it links as well to both you know renters and homeowners who can't afford retrofitting for example mm. or whose landlords aren't doing retrofitting or in poor quality social housing um and very important because um in terms of health and elder you know older people and, and the importance of having housing conditions which are warm which are you know are suitable um, our proper standard that can keep your health and maintain your health rather than worsening it um, is really important for younger ages, you know, in terms of children and then older people um, and obviously people who are who are ill as well. But it is a particularly important for older people. But we're not really um, there's no significant uh, policy initiatives that are being rolled out around that, around the issue of retrofitting for all. Like it's still very much patchy and. Um, yeah, um, and we know there was an ESRI report um, released there just in June um, that showed that private renters are found to have poor health outcomes compared to homeowners. Um, and that's across all age groups. Um, but we see that half of older renters in supported rental housing um say their health is poor and that's compared to one third of homeowners. So there's a really strong link between um, your housing situation and your health. Yeah. And we see that ourselves in alone where um, we know that people who don't own their home, older renters and people in social housing are overrepresented in the number of people we support um, compared to the rest of the population and also tend to require more support in areas like personal care, accessing health services. Um, 
And that is really important because um the as as we're living longer, um, as we're aging in the private rental sector, the private rental sector needs to have the ability to if if that's going to be where a significant proportion of us are living, um, it needs to be able to support us in that um and support us to maintain our health. Retrofitting um is I've heard some cases where it's gone really well for people in that, you know, mm. they've had they haven't had many difficulties with it and they're happy with it. I've heard of and also a lot of people where it's so complex just in the application process. It's so costly um if you're not in receipt of the of like the free retrofit scheme. Um and the waiting lists are really long. Um, it's very difficult to access. And for if you're, for example, um, like older people don't have automatic access to the free retrofit scheme. So you have to be in receipt of the fuel allowance. Um, and if you're over the threshold for the fuel allowance by just a little bit, yeah. Um, and we know that there's lots of people in that situation. Um, you have to pay for your retrofit and people just can't afford it. That yeah. comes into the region of thousands and thousands generally. Um, and there, there's no alternative route. Um, we see that as well with things like accessing housing adaptation grants, um, which is, uh, I suppose, another story really at the minute of people living in substandard accommodation. Um, and because the cost of the works has gone up so significantly in the last few years, whereas the limits, the grant limits hasn't. Yeah. Um, we're seeing that people can't afford the difference. Um, we've, we've always seen that, but, you know, we'll have, We'll support people to apply to their community welfare officer, um, to other charities in some cases. Um, we had an application for a community welfare welfare officer a while ago that was turned down because um the older person had savings in their account um which had been set by for their funeral. Um so these are the kind of challenges that People trying to access so what they have to give course. up the money that was set aside for their funeral to, in order to be eligible for the grant. Essentially, yeah. Um, well, they have the grant, but in order to get the grant and pay for the remainder of the cost, yeah. Um, yeah, it's the money for the funeral that's gone. Yeah, Jesus, so, it's a it's a heartless enough system, isn't it? This is it, and you have some wonderful individuals. You have some wonderful people in local authorities across the yeah. country who will yeah. bend the rules and who will, um, maybe do do more than is asked of them in some situations. Yeah. Um, but it's it can be so harsh. Um, and without kind of any recourse for people either. Um, because a lot of the time, um, you know. The older person will be working with one of our staff members, a support coordinator, um, to help them to access the grants. Um, there's a lot of forms. There's a lot of work involved just in applying for these things. Um, there's so many barriers that have to be jumped. 
um, in order to get access to them. And to be to get to the stage where yes, you get the grant, but uh, no, you can't have any extra support uh, because you have a bit of savings there for your funeral is heartbreaking. Really, this could be something. These grants can be to help people to live at home. Um, this can be to put in central heating or to put in indoor plumbing or um it can be to like fix a roof or it might be like we say for a stair lift or accessible shower or bath or a range of different things and when it gets to that stage where you've jumped the hurdles and still can't get it um that feels like a bit of a slap in the face for a lot of yeah. our staff and then the older people as well of course yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Gronya, listen, thank you so much for, for setting that out today. It's really been um informative and um important to highlight that area, you know, of of the housing crisis and the wider issues um affecting, you know, older people in Ireland. And I, I'm struck by, and I'm sure you get you hear it all the time, the sailing to Byzantium, William Butler Yeats's poem. Uh, which is, of course, the opening lines, that is no country for old men. <laughs> and uh, it, there is an issue here where we are becoming a country not for older people, particularly not for older renters and uh, people who can't afford retrofitting. And there is a major, major, major issues here. And, and the prospect, the prospect, there already is people who are over 65. We were looking at those figures there last week in emergency accommodation. There are people mm. in their 70s 60s and 70s who are living in absolutely terrible situations of of homelessness uh, and is utterly utterly wrong um that that is the case and that people who've lived all their lives in this country and and who've worked and you know regardless of actually where they come from but I mean in terms of uh having lived and contributed have been part of humanity and in your old age being in a situation of Having no home is just horrific um, and wrong. And there should be no one. Uh, there should be no one homeless at all. But even at a minimum mm. level, there should be no child homeless and there should be no older person homeless. Uh, and as a society, they should be minimum, minimum standards. Um, and the fact that we don't that we don't demand that, uh, we should be. Um, but listen, great to chat to you. And we will talk again. And thank you so much for the great work that you and Alone are doing. Absolutely, Rory. Thanks a million. Lovely to chat to you. And uh, Gronya Lochran there from Alone. And um, you can check out uh, podcasts that we've been doing recently. Some really, really interesting ones. Uh, we Dara Turnbull on about uh, solutions from Europe in terms of housing. We were also talking to Paula Kearney in relation to the, the uh, North East inner city inequality violence the structural violence of the state what can be done for young people well worth listening back to uh, and Roisin McCashin as well who did a really really interesting one on teachers and how teachers have been affected by the housing crisis and as always please consider becoming a patron supporting the Reboot Republic podcast go over to patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack sign up for whatever you can each month help us keep uh, the costs of this cover the costs keeping the show on the road uh, thank you so much for those who are listening Share it around on social media. Let people know you're listening and uh, send us in your comments and views. Always love to hear them. 
Thank you so much, and we will talk to you all very soon.